Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. So Dominique, in the last two podcasts, we talked about some of the webinars that we've had. And we've, we talked about webinars that we had with Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz and Ken Ramirez. And we've also had some amazing podcasts with Susan Friedman. And, right. and, I, and I have to say that I've, I just always enjoy, always enjoy these conversations. And I get so much from them. And I feel so privileged over that over the years through the, the Clicker Expo, by being on the a uh, member of the Art and Science of Animal Training Conference and so on, that I've had the privilege of getting to know some just truly great thinkers and great trainers. And one of the people that I've that I really always enjoy learning from is Joe Lang. He's uh, been a regular attendee at the Art and Science of Animal Training Conference, and he's a behavior analyst. And one of the things that he talked about in, I don't even remember what program it was on, and he's probably talked about it several times, was the use of example, non-example. And this goes along with the change of the environment, I think. Last week, we talked about how important it is, if you want learning to occur, that you just you change the environment. You have to have something that indicates to your learner that this isn't just keep doing what you've always been doing. We want right. it's we want something different. We were really looking at that from the perspective of the learner, but now we need to look at a little bit from the perspective of the teacher in terms of what is it that I want to change. And Example, non-example. What is it that I want? How do I learn to recognize what it is that I want to reinforce? And when Joe Leng was presenting this, he, he gave the example to help you understand. Of He showed pictures of chairs. Lots of different styles of chairs. So there were Windsor chairs, you know, the upholstered chairs. There were wooden chairs. There were very modern in design chairs, etc. There were lots of different styles of chairs. But when you looked at them, you knew that you were looking at a chair. And when he put a picture up of a sofa or a stool, you knew that these were not chairs. With a small child, if you see a dog and you point to the dog and and you say dog and the child says doggy and the dog that you're pointing to is a beagle. And then later you see a German shepherd and you point to it and you say doggy and the child mimics that and says doggy. And then you see a chihuahua and you say doggy and then you see a Pekingese and you say doggy. Well, they all look very different one from another. But somehow this child learns that those are dogs and that's a cat <laughs> and that other thing's a horse. So, you know, example, non-example is how we learn. And this comes up in the area of balance and training. So I will often say to people, 
find a look that pleases your eye. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I say I am passionate about balance and I train for balance. And, and for me, that means I'm looking for balance that contributes to the health of the spine. But that's not, that's not an immediately obvious thing. One person's idea of what is really beautiful balance may not match up with somebody else's idea of what is beautiful balance. And uh, what I look like in terms of a horse's look, I've, I've talked with many very good trainers where they would say, well, that's not really what I like. I want to see, I want to see this other thing instead. But it's find a look that pleases your eye. So where do you begin? What pleases your eye? And if you are a beginner in the horse world, you might say, I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking at. So one suggestion that I would, that I like to make to people, self-help world, they'll tell you that if you want, you know, if you want to achieve a certain result, is you make a wish board. Say you're looking for a house, a property. Mm-hmm. Well, get pictures of uh, properties that you like. You know, property that uh, you're looking through a magazine and you see a really pretty horse barn. Put it up on your wish board. You see a beautiful setting. Put it up on your wish board. You know, what are the elements that you really like? And you just look at all of those things. I do that all the time on Pinterest. I have like okay. lots and lots and lots of books of all the pictures of things I want. Yes. So you, you can absolutely relate to this. Yeah. So what I would suggest to people is they look at pictures of horses and will take as a given that it's a horse. And so you're going to go weak at your knees um, be- just because it's a horse. But you can look at two pictures of even of the same horse, like taking pictures of the horses when they're out grazing. I just, you know, whenever I peek around the corner and they're grazing and I think, oh, I need to take a picture of that. Especially now. Oh, yeah. Especially now. It's so pretty with the leaves. So the other day, Ben Gore and Robin were out and I said, I need to take a picture of that. So I took a picture of Ben Gore and he was on a hill. And when I looked at the photo later, he looked terrible. (laughs) because his rear end is way up in the air and his back is looking really hollow because he's on the hill you know and it's just and it's a fairly steep hill and just the nature of the hill he it's not his most flattering Hmm. look and and so if I put that picture next to one where he's standing more on level ground I could say oh I really like that and I would choose that one to send to somebody to say look at this pretty horse and not that one where he's standing on this slope with his rear end up in the gra- up in the air. So it's example, non-example. What pleases your eye? And you may not know at first what it is about a particular picture that you like. Like you might see a horse with his head up and his ears perked forward. And at first you might say, oh, what a pretty horse. And then you look at 10 other pictures of horses with their head up and their ears perked forward. And then you look back at the first one and you say, actually, that horse looks a little tense now that I look at it. Mm-hmm. It's not that lovely 
come hither look that our horses give us when they see us at the, you know, coming up to the pasture gate and they go, oh, there's my person. This horse is looking like, oh, there's a dragon. And, and I can, I can begin to see that that one is tense and that one is expectant. And the expectant looks prettier. Yeah. To me than the tense. But I didn't recognize that at first until I started to have more examples. Mm -hmm. Example, Mm non-example. And so, I mean, looking at creating a Pinterest booklet for yourself in terms of learning what is it that pleases my eye. So you've had an enormous amount of experience. You've seen, because of your experience your time with Cavalia and where you you got to travel all over the world and and you were invited into many barns and I'm sure you saw some beautiful training and you saw some training where you could hardly wait to get out of the barn Mm. how did your eye develop and what would you say you know if you were beginning to think about could I describe begin to describe what would please my eye? What would sit on the side where I'm saying I like this versus not so much? What would draw your eye? Well, for me, it's always, always what I like is relaxation. I'm always uh, like, um, what's the word in English? Uh, And what does relaxation look like to you? Well, it's... Because I could see, you know, like... um, We'll call it the old cart horse look. Well, that would not please my eye. That horse might be, his head is down. So the non-example is the stressed horse. The non-example is, I, I, and you know, sometimes people that I may be talking with, they like the look because they feel it's energetic. Yep. For me, I see stress and I don't like anything that looks like stress. You know, sometimes in dressage, you have these brilliant horses. You know, you have, you can see when you go in Spain, you see those horses. They do Spanish work. My God, I mean, they lift those legs so high. I hate it because they are so stressed. I mean, it's like their eyes are popping out of their head and their body's so stiff and they're like, because I was going to ask you, what does stress look like? In our training, we talk about behavior you know this is what we we can see is what we can shape we talk about emotional behavior rather than directly the emotions so what is the physical expression of stress how would i as a beginner in a lot of photos because very often you know some of the some of the photos you see in you know uh, that are published the way the photos are shot is that you'll have a trainer with a lunch whip. They don't, you know, they don't beat the horse. They just make the horse move. You see this all the time, even when people go to buy horses, when horses are presented, you'll have a trainer that will have the horse move around the arena. And, you know, people generally like it. They say, oh, look how happy and energetic you look. And I see a stressed horse. You know, I prefer to look at a horse running in a paddock on his own 
than to see a horse, you know, that is moving because someone's tapping on the horse, uh, either on the arena wall or in the air to make the horse move. And of course, some horses are desensitized to this, you know, they will move and they're not like, it's not like they're going to run in the wall, but it's not my preferred look. You know, you're asking me what I like. Right, right. And I prefer to see a calm, relaxed horse with a soft eye and, you know, the body is not like a elastic that you have, uh, what's the word in English, um, like... Stretched tight? Stretched, stretched tight, yes. Yeah. What do you like? Or a spring that's been coiled. Spring, yeah, that's... Yeah, you know, that looks that, that if you let go at all, it's going to explode. You know, I know some people do like that, but I don't... For, for me, it's... Everything in the horse world is always about, is the horse enjoying this? Is the horse stressed or not? I always go back to that. So that's the kind of look that I will be looking for. So I'm not so much into, you know, the brilliance of the movement, but the relaxation of the movement for me is what I like to see. Yeah. What about you? Well, I like, I like soft and round and well-balanced, because I, uh, I think uh, physical balance definitely leads to emotional balance in horses. And I, I like seeing a beautifully balanced horse because that's a horse that looks sounder, that looks like he's not having the life pounded out of him, literally. You know, where, where the wear and tear on his joints is going to cause discomfort and stress. And you'll see often in horses that are very out of balance, there'll be tension and pain because they hurt. Uh, so I, I like seeing horses that know how to organize their own bodies and can move with grace and, and real beauty. I think and that gracefulness, you know, comes from, I think, because when you have a forced movement, it can look very robotic, whereas the fluidity, I think, comes from relaxation. Yeah. The grace comes from relaxation. I don't think you can be graceful if you're really tensed. It was interesting. I, I There was a... Uh, comments that were put up in my online course forum and someone was working through the runway lesson that leads to where you're teaching horses to stand on a mat and in part of the lesson where you're away from the mat you're asking the horse to take single steps forward a single step forward single steps back and you're clicking on the initiation of movement you're preparing you're training the behaviors that you're going to use on the mat to help the horse land on a mat and land on a mat in good balance. And when you do the that that fine motor control work away from the mat and then you release the horse and you walk to the mat and you let the horse basically essentially find his own way onto the mat. And what this person emailed back was, so I worked on the runway part for a couple of minutes and then we walked to the mat and my horse landed square <laughs> exclamation mark exclamation mark and and then we did it again and she landed square and then when we went back to her stall and she stood square can it really happen that fast <laughs> and 
And I got such a nice chuckle from that because yes, it can when it's done well. It really can happen that fast where horses can go from that real higgledy-piggledy balance where there's no base of support and they don't really look like they could carry a rider with ease to same horse and literally within a session or two later it, it's looking like an athlete well first of all i mean if the the teacher is reinforcing balance you'll get more of what you reinforce yes but if the teacher isn't aware and is just reinforcing when the horse is all higgledy piggledy yes <laughs> then you'll get more of that and a perfect place to really drive that point home is in the food delivery. So when you think of the thousands upon thousands of times that we are clicking and feeding our horses as clicker trainers, mm. now over the course of a year, how many times do you reach into your pocket after a click and give your horse a treat? Well, if you're deliberate in where you feed, so it's click for behavior, feed where the perfect horse would be. Mm -hmm. Well, where is the perfect horse going to be? Well, that's, that's very dynamic. Sometimes I'm, I'm going to use the food delivery to set up the next behavior. So maybe the perfect horse will be backing up or maybe the perfect horse will be going forward or, or will be bending into a turn. Or maybe I'm working on grown-ups are talking and the perfect horse will be standing beside me with his head at a nice elevation and his nose uh, between his shoulders. Well, this is where it's really important that I have a sense of you know, what pleases my eye? Because I want to present the food where my horse's neck looks pretty to me. Mm -hmm. And if I don't pay attention, I may end up feeding him sometimes so his neck is all crunched in. Or I could be feeding him so I'm pulling him forward onto his forehand. And what he's building into his nervous system is leaned down onto your forehand and then when I get under saddle I wonder why this horse is so heavy it's a lot to think about when you yeah know. and that's where also video can be really good because yeah. you may not have the time to look at all these things while you are training but if you look at it afterwards it'll help for your eye to become more aware yeah. that's a lot of stuff going on you know it is it is what do I click when do I click where do I feed yep and if you, if you have never really thought about, what do I want? Where do I want to feed my horse? And they say, well, feed where, the look, where your, your horse looks pretty to you. I mean, I love that, where your horse, your beloved horse looks really pretty to you. I mean, the, the feeding is as powerful as if you were actually molding your horse, you know, with your hands on. Mm. Yeah, that's, so, that's how powerful yeah, it is. They are building that internal sense of their balance and by being deliberate and thoughtful about it you can have just a profound influence on your horse and and on yourself because in order to feed where your horse's neck looks pretty you have to also often you have to move your feet so you're learning to stack your your bones, so it's shoulders over hips over feet. So you're learning to feed in good balance yourself. So you're giving yourself a riding lesson. And at the same time, you're giving your horse a riding lesson. And, and you're thinking about, you know, f for the level of training that my horse is in, what is pretty? And it can change. So 
what is pretty to you today may change over time. And you, as you learn more, you may be thinking, well, you know, actually, I can see that I was feeding him a little high and he was getting a little inverted. So now I'm going to move, I'm going to change that so I get a, a prettier arc to the neck, that the muscles of, the long muscle of his neck stays, stays relaxed, that there's a telescoping up and out in the shape of his neck. And I can see, now that I'm looking at the video, yes, I can see that I was pulling him forward and down and everything is going down and it's getting heavy. And it's not that I'm asking for head lowering, it's just that he's tipping onto his tippy toes and he's he's sort of hanging on himself. And yeah, I can see that that's not so good. And when I try to feed him a little higher, I can feel the weight of my horse because he's so used to collapsing that he's expecting the food to be really low and he just sort of collapses further and further and further down onto the table that my hand is. And you know, yeah, at the other, good. at the complete other end, you have people who have never trained their eye and use equipment uh, that force the horses into positions that they understand nothing about. And that's yeah. very sad. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's, uh, it's great to train your eye and use soft things like uh, food placement. That's right. That's right. Mm. And so the, the moral of this story is, you know, go look at lots and lots of of horses and over time you will develop your own aesthetic you will find trainers who are when you watch them with the horses that they're working with you'll be smiling there'll be something about those horses that just makes you smile that they look just beautiful to you. If you have a doubt, it's probably because there's something not quite right. Right, right. And so you you create example, non-example, and you start gravitating towards this pleases my eye. I like this. I want more of this. And you'll start to understand more of what is it that I'm looking at. And so over time, that becomes more and more and more refined. And of course, one of the ways that you can really help to develop your eye is through your own body. So the, you know, I spend a lot of time doing exercises that promote body awareness, my own internal body awareness, because what I found is that the more I understand movement and I, you know, I, I can explore movement through my own movement, the most directly, the more I explore that and really get a sense of, you know, what initiates, what moves what, then that contributes to my understanding what it is that I'm looking at when I'm looking at another person or a horse. You know, oh, you're holding your breath. I recognize that look. And so the body awareness, I was, I was reading something last night about breathing an article that Feldenkrais practitioners sent me on type of a way of breathe, box breathing that was developed, it was um, promoted by a Navy SEAL to help with relaxation. So this morning when I had the goats out, so I take the goats out for goat walks and they let, they, they go out grazing and I, I go with them. And while they're busy, we're busy grazing, I was playing with my breath. 
And because, you know, I don't have time to say, they're saying, well, you should start your day with 20 minutes of breathing. Yeah, right. Great. You don't have time to breathe. Right. When am I going to fit in another breathing? (laughs) Right. And, And another 10 minutes of this or 20 minutes of that, my day is already full. But I have this time in the morning, especially, you know, at this time of year, rather than doing the formal training, we go out for our walks. And so while, you know, there's this this lovely bit of time where I was having a wonderful time exploring. And I, I decided that box breathing, I that wasn't quite what I wanted to do. So I did circular breathing instead. And but it was it was a wonderful exercise and exploration. And because I was doing that, I could feel connections in terms of where certain, the like the lift of the ribs and the diaphragm, and I could relate that to what I would be asking of the horses and what I would see in the horses. So together with go look at pictures, go look at video, also go find a good Feldenkrais practitioner, a classical Pilates practitioner, a, you know, really somebody who really understands movement and explore it with them because that will also enhance your understanding of what is it that I'm looking for when I am trying to figure out why this horse pleases my eye and this other horse, the way it's being worked, does not. Yeah. Well, I know that I've heard you talk about body awareness from the very first time I met you. Yep. I know that it's always been a primary focus of yours and it's not just a passing interest right. that you have. I, I know it's, it's like a profound part of what you do and what you think is really important. Well, I'll give you a reason why. So week or so ago, I was working with some people in my area where I actually, because they're local, we can get together. We're at a distance from one another, wearing our masks, and but we can actually have a group um, lesson day. And one of the riders, we can't, they can't, they can't trailer horses in, so they borrow the resident horses. And one of my clients was riding a horse that she's been riding on a regular basis and so the two of them know one another I've watched them work before and she did a really lovely bit of groundwork and then she got on and had this just beautiful beautiful ride right from the start and I commented to her that the ride reminded me of her mayor who she sadly lost to old age several years ago and she said yeah I was thinking of her as well and she what she had been doing we she had we'd taken some uh, Feldenkrais lessons and then also done the series of body awareness exercises that I have so we she'd gone through the rope handling virtual clinic with me so she'd had a major dose of the Feldenkrais work and then uh the four days of body awareness. This was during science camp. And while she was watching the horse that was work, being worked before, she was going through the hip circles and the four points on the bottom of your feet. And so when she got on, she was so free in her body mm-hmm. 
that her horse just instantly connected and the level of communication was so beautiful and subtle and they just flowed oh you know a thought and the horse was was there underneath her flowing with her through these beautiful counter changes of hand it was lovely so the the feldenkrais that that kind of experience now gets strongly reinforced in a rider because wow if that's if that's the kind of ride i get after i do this work i will do this work yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah and that's you know that's why we get so fascinated by it because the horses keep telling us whatever you're doing keep doing yeah definitely so i would say to people as they're you know we're going into the fall and while the weather is still nice you know take your horse out grazing and just while he's having a lovely graze you can be beside him and be practicing some of the these body awareness exercises you know you can do things like the hip circles and the four points on the bottom of your feet and some of these other things you can breathe and what will be interesting is your horse will it's like there'll be this lovely bubble that will emerge and envelop the two of you in this wonderful uh, relationship space it's a it's a lovely thing to do good Um, plan good Good plan plan. yeah Yeah. so we'll send people off with that as the plan for, for this week i'm getting this finished in time to remind you that we're offering a 25% discount on the webinars we've recorded. This offer runs until the end of the month, so just a couple more days. Hopefully you're listening to this podcast in time to take advantage of this offer. The promotion ends on October 31, 2020. The webinars include conversations with Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz, Dr. Susan Friedman, and Ken Ramirez. Not only do you get a discount, but we are also donating part of the proceeds to the rescue groups that have been involved with the West Coast fires. You can learn more about the webinars by visiting our website, equosity.com. And here's another reminder. I have some virtual clinics coming up, including one that's focused on getting started with the clicker. So if you're fairly new to clicker training or you have a new horse, and you'd like a good review, this will be a great clinic for you. And then there's another one on the finesse of rope handling. I've given that clinic once before as a virtual clinic and it was phenomenally great fun. These are definitely not webinars. They are very interactive clinics that are just great, great learning experiences and enormous fun. Here's a quote from one of the attendees. She sent me an email after the clinic in which she said, I have attended in-person clinics ranging from two to five days in and out of state and in other countries. I honestly think I learned more from this virtual clinic than from any of the others. I puzzle out why, and one reason shines above all others. No distractions, no logistics for travel, overnight stays, strange places, new people, horse concerns, entire clinic time 100% focused on the material to be taught. 
110% of my time and attention to focus on what you're sharing. Easy to ask questions and viewing the videos in real time with you was priceless. It may be remote, but it is face-to-face -face and 100% interactive. I loved it. So if you need a distraction from the world's news and you'd like to immerse yourself in a clicker training weekend, come join me at one of these events. They're set up for different time zones, but all of them are doable from the Eastern time zone where I live. So find a weekend that suits you, look at the time zone to see if that will work for you, and hopefully you'll join me at one of these clinics. To learn more about them, go to the events section of my website, theclickercenter.com. Stay well and have fun with your horses. <laughs>